The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. and welcome to the show. My name is Edwin Herman and this is episode 65 of The Boys of Tech for Monday the 10th of May 2010. Joining me over Skype to co-host the show, Brett King. Welcome along. Howdy. Brett, how was your week? Ah, uh, wasn't too shabby. Wasn't too shabby at all. I, I went to Auckland and I saw Russell Peters. He's really? fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic stand-up comedian. Uh, he hasn't been to this part of the world before, although he's done almost every other English-speaking country in the world. But he is his first time, I think, as far as I can tell, here in New Zealand. So that that was great. He's doing yeah. he's doing a a, a green card uh, world tour at the moment. Neat. So I'll play a couple of short, short clips to give you a taste of uh, what Russell Peters is all about. Have a listen to this. So my dad's on the phone. He calls the ad, and on the other end of the phone, some Eastern European lady answered, and she couldn't speak any English. And all I hear is, hello, I'm calling about your couch. <laughs> hello. Hello. I, I want to know about your couch. Hello. Okay. I've said hello twice. I would like to purchase your couch. And now English. I'm sorry. And now English. Then why the hell did you answer the phone? You don't come to my country if you can't speak the language. Click. My dad looks at me and goes, immigrants. Do you have a Chinese name as well, Anthony? Yeah, I do. What's your Chinese name? Say it, you know, proper. However, Chinese people would say your name. I don't, not name. Don't go, Anthony. I don't want that. You know what I mean? I want. I want. I'm on the proper Chinese version. What's the Chinese name? Top Sun Bong. Doesn't that mean you're gonna get high? Hey, you want a Top Sun Bong? That's a wicked name, man. Top some bong. I don't know if I'm saying it wrong or not, but it, this is the way it is now. You know? Sounds cooler than Anthony. Unless you're Anthony by day and top some bong by night. <laughs> oh, that's uh, hilarious. He's, he's really good. He's Canadian, he's Indian, and he's very, very funny. Russell Peters. <laughs> oh, excellent. I didn't do anything nearly as interesting. I did go see a good movie, though. Did you? What did you see? I saw Iron Man 2. All right. Well, you know, I actually saw a movie today as well, which is, I think, the first movie I've seen in about two years. Boy. Yeah, what would you think? Um, go- very good. Very good. It was kind of an open-ended story. It, it felt like there wasn't really a, a closing. There wasn't really a sort of a start, something that happens, and then an end that ties everything up. It was, kind it was of like- more a glimpse into... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Hmm. 
What do you think of Iron Man? It was brilliant. Loved it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no more needs to be said. Right. <laughs> <laughs> loved the first one, loved the second one. And so you, you definitely recommend it. Yeah. If you like, you know, if you like the first one, then you should like the second one. And if you don't, then what's wrong with you? <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, we'll, we'll get the show kicked off then with our first story. So kicking off episode 65, the courier and the slate have been scrapped. Those are the uh, tablets from Microsoft and HP. Indeed. That's crazy news. It's a, a little time for a little tear. Well, it's, it's not like um, Microsoft ever actually officially announced the Courier project. No, that's true. It was a and, rumor. And, yeah, it was a rumor. Tons of information and photos and all that sort of stuff leaked onto the net about this brilliant journal-type tablet device. Two screens worth, you know, you flip it open, it's got two screens. Looked absolutely stunning. Would have been brilliant, but they ditched it. Yeah. Before it even was announced, <laughs> before it was even an inkling of fact to its production, it's it's gone. It's kind of crazy because um, you know, what does Microsoft have to offer in, in that space? I mean, you know, they you have to. What I'm getting at is, you have to start from if you're starting from scratch, it's going to take them at least two years, surely, to bring something out. Mm. Well, they they they've got what they worked on as a base if they ever decide to pick it up again. But oh well, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking then. Maybe they thought they couldn't compete with the iPad. But really, why couldn't you? The iPad's so lacking at the moment. (laughs) It's not just the Courier that was once rumoured and now is never going to be. It's also the Slate, the HP Slate that uh, Barmer unveiled himself on behalf of HP. The Windows 7 running tablet. Yeah. HP has, yeah, has um, put that on the... On the shelf for the time being. Yeah, but you uh, see, they, they purchased Palm, didn't they? Yeah, well, the, the deal to purchase Palm is, you know, currently still ongoing. So it is unlikely for that entire process to have finished, you know, before nearing the end of this year. And so it's quite possible that they've put the slate on hold for once the, the Palm deal has gone through and they've gotten their, their WebOS and all that sort of stuff because WebOS was already used for you know, Palm products and would be a pretty good potential operating system to run a tablet on. So maybe they are taking a step back, holding off the slate to see what they can do with the new stuff that they get out of the Palm deal. I, mean, I think that's what people are suspecting that's, that's going on, but why can't they do both? I mean, they had it there, they had a prototype, didn't they? They showed it off at CES. Mm-hmm. Why does it mean that if you've got Palm that you can't also do a Windows 7 version? I mean... Surely it just means you can do more. Mm. Who knows what goes on in these big corporates. You can just imagine some of the people who've been working on these different projects then to suddenly have them binned or shelved. That's, you know, got to be a bit of a knock to you if you've spent a lot of blood, sweat and tears on developing these things. But then that probably happens quite often. Imagine the number of things which have been developed for years have never been heard about because they've been, you know, tightly controlled, controlling the information flow, unlike the, the leaks from the Microsoft Courier, that never gets to see the light of day anyway. So, yeah, it's probably yeah. A, I think there's a lot more than, than people think. I mean, it'd be interesting to see for, for every product that we have out there, how many have been conjured up and just never seen the light of day. I'd be interested to see whether it's a one-to-one ratio or, or even maybe more. Mm-hmm. 
and how many of them were you know conjured up years and years ago, uh, but the technology just wasn't capable at that time that are now making comebacks. Well, one, one, well, one, one of those is quite obvious. It's the tablet. <laughs> Tablets have been around for ages, but the, the power and the battery being one of the main drawbacks uh, has kept them, you know, firmly placed into really expensive high-end business sorts of things, which never run for very long at all because the battery just couldn't cope with the, the um, you know, the amount of juice required to run in that form factor. But now, Technology has caught up with the idea and they're everywhere. Well, you see, up until this year, the tablets that we've had are simply laptops with forward-facing screens, you know. Convertibles. Yeah, convertibles, basically. Whereas now what we're seeing is the ability to produce a device that's not really just a laptop with a small screen. It's actually a whole new form factor of its own. Indeed, it is. It is the, um, the idea has been around for ages and... It has just been waiting for the technology to support it. The the battery life to make something like that actually worthwhile. A proper user interface, which is based purely on the touch interface, not having to need extra keys, needing a keyboard, those sorts of things. Proper touch screens. All of these different things needed to develop to the point that they are now for a proper tablet device to become a reality. Yeah, you can just take an older desktop oriented operating system like say windows 95 you know back then and and put that Mm. on your swivel screen laptop well you can but it doesn't really do what it's meant to do you know it doesn't no no it's yeah the the and that and back then the touch screens were were just crap well yeah that's true but (laughs) i'm kind of surprised at, at well you know the courier as you said was never officially announced so yeah okay but the slate, it was it was unveiled. Yes, the slate was unveiled. That is that is a surprising turn of events. I mean, I know they've I know about you know as we talked about the the whole palm thing. But as I said right at the beginning, why can't they just have let that one go and then pick up on the or maybe convert later or something? I don't know. Maybe they've got an idea for what they want to do, and the slate form factor that they were looking at, they've you know maybe there's something coming from the palm deal which is going to be a good you know, kicker for the slate. Maybe the slate will still exist coming out, you know, next year, but perhaps it will have been re-engineered with some new thing, uh, some, you know, bit of technology or IP or something which is coming out of the Palm deal and that is why they're holding it back. Maybe they see some real icing on the cake sort of thing coming out of the Palm deal, which will make the slate what they want it to be. You know, it's almost as if they know something that we don't. Well, they <laughs> would. Enough. They will being able to see the you know the depth and breadth of the palm domain that they are now taking over. <laughs> They'd be able to see what's in all of the little palm pots and going, oh, that would be awesome in our thing. <laughs> Let's hold off on producing this until we get that. Stop press! Stop press! We're going to do something completely new now that we've acquired palm. So, so there's you, always that possibility. It's yeah. it, it, it's not a dead end for the, the slate. It's more a let's wait and see what happens after the Palm deal and see if they were holding out for something. Oh, you almost had the perfect line there. It's not a dead end for the slate. It's just a new beginning. Indeed. But we don't know that. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Could very well be a dead end. But <laughs> yeah. fingers crossed. <laughs> True. Because after all, the more the better, right? Yeah, yeah. The more competition out there, there's 
you know, competition between actual players which compete will push innovation and push those boundaries. And that's what we want to see. And speaking of that, I saw an image of what's called the Juju tablet. Have you seen that? Yeah, it looks surprisingly like an iPad, only slightly nicer, really, shaped-wise anyway. I can't even tell the difference, to be honest. Yeah, well, it's missing the, the dimple. Oh, yeah. It doesn't have the big iPad dimple. That and there's a little dot on the front of it. Which you is the forward-facing camera. Exactly. It's got yeah. a freaking camera. I wonder it's if got it, a camera. It's got USB. Do you think it has flash? <laughs> it does indeed. So this, this could be the iPad killer. No, it couldn't. Okay, tell us why. Well, tell us why not, rather. Well, the Juju is a web browsing tablet. And that's basically all it is. It is brilliant for browsing the web, but not for a heck of a lot of anything else. Its entire interface is built around a web browser. Uh, you're clicking on links, quick links to get to different things. There's no easy way to get apps or anything on it. And that's one of the big things that the Apple devices have is they can leverage the app store. And it's does what it does pretty well, but it's just certain parts of it were just still a little rough around the edges. Some of its browsing, it stutters every now and then. Yeah, when it's, it's a bit buggy, stuck. isn't it? And as you yeah, said, it's, it's, just, it's just a web browser. As, you know, the user interface and the screen itself, the, the LED screen is not as good as the ones Apple are putting into the iPads. But, you know, it would be hard to compete with Apple's base for getting that tech. You know, you'd probably be hard-pressed to find anything quite as good as what Apple is sticking in the iPad because Apple's gone and bought them all. It's, yeah. So this is basically just a web browser. It's not, it, as you said, it's not a, it doesn't have apps. It doesn't have the whole ecosystem of applications that you can buy and try and all sorts of things like that. You can't run things on it. It's just a slate form factor web browser. Mm. Well, we'll see when we get some some better reviews starting to come out about the Juju, uh, about what people, you know, some of the, the hardware hackers out there actually doing other stuff with it, getting other things put onto it. But at the moment, it is just a mobile web browsing device. I wonder if you could put the iPad OS on it. Probably not, because the iPad OS is the iPhone OS. The iPhone OS only runs on Apple hardware. Yeah, but hang on, hackers. Hello? True. True. <laughs> they might. That's what they I mean. They might, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Well, you put, if you put it in the hands of, of good software hackers, then yes, they can get almost anything to run on almost anything. Probably Android too. <laughs> well, definitely. We've already seen Android running on an iPhone. We, we have. We have indeed. Well, not in the flesh, but... Well, not in the flesh, obviously. So who's behind the Juju? Uh, the Juju is a kind of the love child of a place called Fusion Garage and the technology blog TechCrunch. Right. So it's a joint effort between Fusion Garage and TechCrunch. Kind of. Kind of. It's a little more complicated than that. Yeah, right. Okay. (laughs) However, it is significantly cheaper than an iPad. Yeah, that's true. And did you hear the the latest iPad news? Of course you have. Of course you know when it's finally coming to New Zealand. Is it? Yes, July. No, don't believe you. It's, it's not going to come at all. <laughs> well, you know, it might be the, it's going to come in July and then it'll be, oh, sorry, the entire was sold out in Australia, so there's none left over to ship. <laughs> yeah, that'll be right. Actually, I've just seen you're right. It's, it says coming July. They've yes. actually finally They've actually decided. Changed it. They've given an actual time. Isn't that neat? 
Oh, thanks, Apple. <laughs> we, we... See, and all this happens the you know the week after I go and buy a netbook. <laughs> Not for real, right? Yeah, I, I finally caved. I you did, did? search and I finally bought myself a netbook. Oh yeah, you bought mm. yourself a netbook. I did. What'd you get? I bought an HP fifty one oh two. HP fifty one oh two got mates rates from an HP Insider. I know. Oh really? Yeah. Ah. Might be the same HP Insider I know. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> we won't say his name or her name. Indeed. Just keep this. <laughs> but it is a slick device, brilliant battery, brilliant battery life, great case, slightly, you know, it's a little more on the weighty side than your regular sort of 10.1 inch netbook. Uh, but that's because its case is made out of aluminium and a magnesium um, alloy. Oh, well, that's nice. It's very strong. It would burn very brightly. Yeah, it would. It's got a brilliant webcam in it. It's got a great screen. I've got the one with the touch screen, so I do have my touch. Oh, and nice. it does multi-touch. It's, yeah, I love it. It does exactly what I wanted it to do. And it's got a brilliant keyboard too. Oh, very like nice. Everything that was, everything I wanted, all rolled into one. Worked great. So you're going to Skype in to the show from, from that device at some point? I shall do that next week. All right, and uh, we'll just see how choppy you are. <laughs> no, of course not. That would just be the internet connection anyway. Yeah. So you would, would you have bought a Juju? Uh, no, not in its current state. Doesn't do enough, right? Doesn't do quite enough off the, off the bat. Uh, it's a little too buggy at the moment. Um, but it has flash, Brett, and it has a forward-facing camera, and it, it has USB. Those are the three things you said that if Apple put in, you'd buy. Indeed, but Apple hasn't announced that in any of theirs, so I haven't. I went and bought an HP. <laughs> but why didn't you buy the Juju? You should have bought the Juju because it has those three things. Can you find me somewhere to buy it in New Zealand? Is it on sale anywhere, actually, for that matter? <laughs> Apparently it goes on sale in the UK later this month. Ah, okay. All right, well, you could take a trip out of the UK, couldn't you? Not to buy it, just a Juju. That would be one expensive juju, but you could bring a few back. Actually, I know someone who's going over to the States to get some iPads, and I, I suggested that she come back with a bunch of them and sell them here because you could make a little bit of money on the side. I mean, I don't mean exorbitant, you know. Well, you'd have to do it before just, July. Yeah, well, this is the thing. This is before the J- July announcement, so, uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, people now will probably just wait. Mm. Except for the, the very few that just can't wait. And, but mind you, those people have probably already got those theirs. Those people have probably already got Yeah, they've already indeed. got theirs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, last week, you may recall, we had uh, Cameron Colley from Groggle on the show. Indeed. Brilliant show it was too. It was a great show. If you missed it, uh, check out boysoftech.com. Have a listen. That was episode 64. Now, uh, there's been an update on that. So, by the way, this is going to be a spoiler. So, if you, if you want to find out for yourself what that was all about, just skip the next, I don't know, five minutes or so of this of this podcast. So what's happened is that Google has now asked for an extension for the whole Groggle domain name dispute, or sorry, a trademark dispute, actually. Mm-hmm. So you may recall that I think the, there was a, a due date, was it last Tuesday, I think it was? Yep. And they hadn't responded, had they? They hadn't officially laid a... Uh, an opposition, a, no. An opposition with, uh, what are they called, IP Australia? Yep. And the, but they what they have done is they've contacted IP Australia and said, "Hey, could we have a little bit more time, please?" So I, I haven't found out. I haven't been able to determine whether that's been granted or not. Well, yes, it, it's interesting because IP Australia have said that 
Google has not lodged an opposition or sought an extension yet. Oh, is that what they're saying? That's what they're saying. Yeah, that's interesting. It is. It's really interesting. Cameron's not online at the moment. I'd, I'd get him on if he was and just ask, uh, quiz him just a little <laughs> oh, bit. We'll have to get him back next week then. Well, we might have to. <laughs> get us to tell Find us. Find out what's happening. Yeah. He's, he's the farmer from Australia, right? Yes, yes, that's the one. <laughs> Isn't it funny how news distorts, Chinese whispers and all that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, look, I'd, I'd love to find out what happens because, it, you know, I, I would assume that IP Australia could say, uh, you know, if indeed Google had asked for the extension, we don't even know now whether that's happened because, as you said, IP Australia have, not, have said that they haven't even heard from Google. But if Google have contacted IP Australia and asked for an extension, in theory, IP Australia could actually say, no, sorry, Closed, finished. Yeah. But as Cameron did tell us last week, it doesn't mean it's the end. They, they can file for other things in, in, in the courts for yeah. trading laws and stuff like that. <laughs> so, they can just make it, make it nasty. They can just do evil if they yeah. keep going that way. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so we'll have to, we'll follow the story as, as, it, as it goes through. And uh, we'll, you know, if there's any major developments, we'll definitely get uh, Cameron back on the show. And he, and he said he'd be keen to come back. Mm. So that's good. Now, actually, speaking of having guests back, you know what we should do for our 100th episode, which we're two-thirds of the way there, almost. We should get everyone on. <laughs> do, do you think that would work? Just a big round table of chatter of highlights or something. Well, you know, if we get enough people, if, if they all say yes, we'll only need to say two words each and the show's done. That's an hour yeah, of... <laughs> basically. <laughs> that could be a nice, easy one. They could. Sorry, bringing this back on track, uh, what else is there? Um, uh, Microsoft has made an announcement about IE9 and H.264 video. So IE9 is, in theory, going to, when it comes out, is going to support natively H.264, which is exactly what Steve Jobs was going on about. You know, he was saying, we don't want Flash, we don't like Flash, Flash is, Flash is nasty, Ugh, yuck. What you want is H.264 for your video. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because now IE9 is going to be supporting H.264 natively. Yep. It's going to support H.264 natively, just like Google will, you know, Chrome, H.264. But, but what's, what's interesting about the story, though, did you notice, was that the people were saying, oh, they're dropping Flash support. I know. I know. It's it's hilarious. You, you, the, it, once again, it just you know, shows people and their ability to read articles and to jump on like a a starving ferret to the little snippets in there which look like they could be bad. It was a a beat-up, wasn't it? Because do you tell us, Brett, tell us why, tell our listeners why it's not strictly true that Microsoft are dropping Flash support. Microsoft Internet Explorer versions 6, 7, and 8 have never had inbuilt Flash support. Exactly. It's always been done via a plugin. Exactly. And, and Internet Explorer 9 will have exactly the same capability. It'll be no will, different. That's right. It will be no different. You will have a plugin for Adobe. You will have, while it will support H.264 video inherently within Internet Explorer, you will be able to get plugin to run, you know, Microsoft's very own video format, VC1. That's right, right? Yep, VC1. VC1. Yeah, that's the one. Yep. yep. Support VC1. Your own plugin to support Ogtheora. Your own plugin to support whatever video codec you've decided to write yourself. 
it'll all be done with plugins. And so Silverlight, plugin, don't forget Silverlight. Yeah, as Silverlight well. is yeah. a plugin as well. Internet Explorer will not natively support Silverlight. It will be a plugin. No. So it, there's nothing different about it other than that they are going, they have chosen to inherently support within the browser H264, which has, which in and of itself, you know, is H264 has a lot of controversy around it because it has very closed, very locked in sort of licensing and paper trail around H264. But it is the one that Microsoft have decided to inherently support in IE9, which goes along with what Google's done and which goes along with what Apple's done. So they so, almost had no choice, really. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Really. Even though they, the you know, Microsoft itself says that its own video codec, VC1, is a superior codec to H.264. I haven't seen any comparisons to that, but that's what they claim themselves. But they probably would. So just to get this straight, the, the, yeah, well, they would, wouldn't they? So just yeah. to get this straight, the news wires were full of stories saying, oh, IE9 will only support H.264, Flash is being dropped. Whereas what it should have said is... Microsoft is adding H.264 support for IE9. Yep. And, Microsoft and, 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 and the is adding in-built support. Yeah. But will continue to provide plug-in support to everything else under the sun. So the Flash thing is actually neither here nor there. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's never supported it inherently. No Internet Explorer has inherently supported Flash. It has always been done via a plug-in. I do think it's kind of interesting how they've gone H.264. In fact, this is almost... Kind of along the same lines, it's kind of consistent with Microsoft saying, "Well, IE nine is going to be, or you know, pretty much standards based. Well, as as good as Microsoft say it's ever going to be, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of goes along with H two six four. I'm not saying H two six four is a is an open standard, but it's certainly a you could it's definitely a de facto standard. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's definitely is, become a de facto standard. This whole standard thing kind of doesn't really wash with Microsoft, or hasn't in the past, but now it's kind of a different different ball game. It seems. Mm. Which I like. I mean, I standards are good. Standards are good. Most of the time. Anything's good most of the time. <laughs> now, last week we also reported that there was a rumour that a Russian Facebook hacker, Kirillos, was located here in New Zealand. And I, I said, and I think you said the same, Brett, that this is surely not the case. He's not in New Zealand. And in fact, I said he's in Latvia somewhere, which I'm completely made up. Uh, but... It's come out now that he's apparently not in New Zealand. Oh, we were right. We were How right. How funny is that? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but the police in New Zealand say he's, they believe he's not here and has never been here. Yep. Facebook, who was the subject of, of these attacks and therefore would have trawled through logs and whatnot, also believe that he's not in New Zealand. Uh, and they, mm. so they believe he's still in Russia, which is, so we knew kind of like, like last week we talked about this rumour, but we, we said very clearly that it's, it's just a rumour and he's probably just changed the location on his ICQ instant messenger software to say he's in New Zealand. I mean, anyone can do that. I can say I'm in India. It doesn't mean I am. Oh, precisely. He, he changed his um, forum profile to say that he was a girl from New Zealand. Yeah. So what do we know about this guy? Well, we, we, we know this guy is, well, is believed to have been selling Facebook logins, usernames and passwords, for somewhere around 50 bucks per, uh, per thousand accounts. I don't know. Is that a good deal? Is that about the going rate, do you think? Mm, probably. Well, the going rate is whatever you can sell it for, really. <laughs> it's supply and demand. And if the unscrupulous people out there want it, then they'll pay for it. 
So really, the, the point of the story is just to let you know that he's actually not here in New Zealand and he, the people in New Zealand can stop checking their bank yards in case he's hiding there. Indeed. Plenty of other things you could be looking in your backyards for. What, treasure? Yeah. The next story is about Chrome takes uh, taking the Speed Crown. It now can boast that it's... Well, this is the new Chrome beta, by the way, version 5. It's the browser that runs JavaScript the fastest. Excellent. Yeah, it beats, a bit. Safari was boasting that for a while, and it mm-hmm. was. It was the fastest. And it's now Chrome. And mm-hmm. the, the numbers are interesting because... Safari, Opera, and Chrome are all more or less on a par. Yeah, I can I can give you the the figures. These are the the milliseconds it took to to run a test, and obviously the lower is better. Uh, Chrome is, leads the way at at about three hundred mm-hmm. and thirty eight, then Safari at three seven three, then Opera three ninety, and then you've got Firefox at seven hundred and forty one. Yeah, Firefox is really not doing so well in rendering JavaScript, running JavaScript stuff. Whereas Safari and Opera are pretty close to each other, but Chrome is, you know, 338 versus 373, that's quite uh, quite a chunk faster. Yeah, it, Whereas it, it 373 is. 373 to 389 is not better. that much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the reason JavaScript is so important, it's more important nowadays because it's, it's what's... Web 2.0, Ajax is all JavaScript. Yep. So JavaScript performance is now more important than it ever was before. Mm-hmm. So that's nice to see. Uh, now, this it is only the beta, so I don't know what they did. They probably stripped the whole thing down. And so <laughs> when they put everything back in, it'll probably you know, blow out to 500, I don't know. Oh, maybe, maybe. Well, they did put a lot of work into their, their Chrome, what do they call it? The, the V8 JavaScript engine. Yeah, yeah, they did. They've done quite well, actually. Yeah. With that, they they spent a lot of time and effort, a lot of R and D on that. So, yeah, definitely, that's got a thirty percent increase over its previous version. Yeah. So, uh, look, all, all I'm saying is uh, these aren't. This is only. It is a beta, so let's let's wait. Indeed. But I'm confident that even if the the, the version that that comes out, the, the actual release version of version five, uh, I'm I'm confident that it will. Even if it's slower, it'll still be speedy. Speedy. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. All right. And the last international story before we take our short break and talk about the New Zealand stories, non-Latin domain names have finally gone live. They have indeed, starting with Arabic. Yeah. So for, for those people going Latin, what, what do you mean non-Latin? Does that mean English? We're talking about uh, the A to Z alphabet that we use in English and many European languages. Domain names can now support other character sets, you know, like Arabic. Squiggly lines, you know what I'm talking about. The squiggly lines and weird stuff that you're going like, what is that? Is that their writing? <laughs> yep, that. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> the squiggly lines. <laughs> well, I mean, they are the squiggly lines. <laughs> and, and so is the Latin alphabet to anybody else. Absolutely. You, no, you, you <laughs> Just did like write. more angled. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Not quite as pretty looking. <laughs> the, the, yeah, there are some really pretty, I'll tell you the character set that I like the best, and that's Bungla. From, Bang- from Bangladesh. Bangladesh, yep. yeah. It's yep. very, very nice. Bangla is a beautiful script. If, mm. if you get a chance, Google it, have a look. Very, very nice. Yeah. And yeah, Arabic has some, it's very, got a brilliant flow to it. <laughs> and what is the other one that they're supporting now? Uh, uh, Russian, Russian Cyrillic. Cyrillic, yes. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, it's actually taken Not us quite, quite a- as nice and flowy as, as no, no. some of theatre, <laughs> as Arabic. It's a little harsher language, harsher uh, script. Harsher looking, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But, uh, you know, it, in fact, it looks like they've just taken a few letters from the Latin set and just, I don't know, moulded them a little bit. Yeah. They're kind of like they've taken some letters, done mirror transforms on them, taken other letters and flipped them around 180 and taken little bits out. In fact, they probably say, say the same about us. You know, they've taken our character set and they've added bits and turned things around. Yeah. Anyway, so it, it's taken us a long time to get this, don't you think? It's taken a long time, yeah. I mean, you can kind of understand why it started off with a Latin character set because that's what we well, use in, in it, English. And indeed, it was an English-speaking country. In English, that, it was English-speaking countries that created it. Correct. English is one of the dominant trade languages. It so, is. And in globalization, there was a well, there is a need for people in different countries to be able to access and trade and interact with each other using a common character set. Whereas what we're doing now is we're supporting all of those sorts of domain names and businesses and websites which are more local, trying to do stuff for their own communities either within their country or within their uh, community of peoples who use that language. So that's where I see this as you know, filling that sort of gap where you are able to interact with your population or your people, your target audiences in your native language, whereas you have a more across-the-globe general character set for doing those, you know, those cross-country, cross-culture, global interactions. You know, I, I do think, though, that as someone from a country that uses a language that is based on a Latin character set, I think we actually have it a lot easier than we think. You know, people don't realize how easy it is for us. Mm. Or in, if you like, conversely, how hard it must be for people who who don't know English or other languages based on the Latin character set. Yeah, exactly. They have to, you know, they have to kind of look at a, a strange set of characters for them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with native keyboards and native character sets on keyboards, having to cross-translate to insert special characters to get the alphabet that they want. It's Yeah, it's, it must be a huge impediment for them. Something mm. that we, we kind of take this for granted is, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. And if you want more information, you can read up more at uh, squigglylinecirclesquigglyline.com. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, what more can I say? All right, I think that's the show, Brett. Indeed. Short, <laughs> sharp and fun. And we'll see people after the break for the New Zealand story. All right, welcome back. Hey, well done, Brett. You did the uh, the outro and the intro on either side of the break. That was great. <laughs> 65 episodes and I finally squeezed one in there. <laughs> you wait till I edit this. Ah. <laughs> I know. I need joking. Alrighty, so uh, what's your one New Zealand story? Our one New Zealand story is, surprise, surprise, something not going quite so well with a telecom network. <laughs> Are we beating up telecom? No, this is actually a fun one, though. It's a fun one. <laughs> well, it, it, it's fun to, for us to talk about. Probably not quite so fun for the people affected by this in negative ways. 
So what you're alluding to is, for a bunch of people who sent text messages on the telecom network, part of the message, I think, was cut off and part of a an unrelated message from someone else completely was tacked onto the end. Exactly. And you kind of got weird conversations going on and people thinking, what are you saying? And I mean, this could, the implications, I mean, are endless, really. I mean, imagine imagine texting your boss saying, you know, he, he tells you to come in at early at seven o'clock because there's some important job to do. Yeah, yeah. And you, you text him back, you know, sure a thing. And you get something completely different. Exactly. Your boss gets something going, sure thing, now F off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so another bit of pie on Telecom's face. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, some issues with their SMS network going on there. Did I don't this understand how something... their XT or, or both? I, I got the impression it was both. Yeah. Well, they didn't seem to specifically say XT. They just... So I don't know, actually. Mm. But I, I don't know how this can... It's a, it actually sounds like a buffer overrun. It does. It it sounds quite bizarre. It would be really... Um, I hope they actually, you know, broadcast a little bit of information in the technical manner of what it was that went wrong. Because it would be really interesting to see what it was. Yeah. They say it's, you know, they, they do the, the, the standard line of it's a software fault, but what was it really? <laughs> you know, a lot of companies do that and I'm, I'm, I'm so curious. Whenever they say, you know, a software glitch, it's like, I want to know what, you know, what field in the database was being tacked onto what because of which buffer overrun or, yeah. or you know, someone had, didn't check the, the end of, a, of an array, you know, what, what the maximum, I don't know, you know, I, I want to know all these details, but they, they never tell you. Mm, they never do, but they should. They should. We'd love to know. Be good on this show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do, actually, now that, you know, we're kind of coming, it's related to the this telecom glitch, A, a anecdotal story from myself from earlier last week. All right, go on then. In fact, on Tuesday last week, on the Vodafone network, I sent a text message at quarter to six in the evening. And didn't hear anything back from the person. The person then rang me and asked me why I wasn't answering their texts. And I said I hadn't received their text, but I'd just sent them a text. And they said they hadn't got their text. And so we were like, oh, what the heck's going on? Anyway, at something past, you know, about half past 10 that evening, the first of that person's text arrived at 11 o'clock. The second of that person's texts arrive. I then receive another text from them at a, just a little past 11 saying that my text had finally arrived to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a, that's a really so bad backlog. So we had text lag going on there. That's a huge lag. <laughs> there must have been a huge, uh, a huge back, a backlog of, of text messages. So obviously something was happening. something spooling going, <laughs> something bizarre with a queue going on. Can none of our network operators get this right or, or what? <laughs> well, you know, it's technology and technology never runs perfectly. Well, the other thing to remember is also with, uh, with text messages, there's no guarantee of, you know, delivery. Uh, uh, you know, there's no guarantee that it's going to be delivered in X amount of time. It's mm. asynchronous. There's an assumption that it will be delivered in a, you know, a reasonable amount of time. It's, well, like email, right? You click send, and I expect that within about five minutes at the most, you'll have my email on your desktop. But in actual fact, an email could take a day. It could take a week to go through quite normally. 
Mm. Given certain circumstances, and the same with text messages. But you're yeah. right. You're right. People assume simply because they've been given that expectation in yeah. the past that it takes and only a few seconds. That's interesting. Yeah, because it is an expectation of service. Would you be able to complain about it? Well, I think because there's nothing. There's nothing stopping you from complaining. But I don't think you can seek any any. Uh, well, you know, because during the whole telecom XD outage issues, there were a lot of people going to court to you know discuss whether or not there it was telecom breaching their contract of service, saying that they were going to provide you know a reliable you know an adequate level of service, and that what had been provided during that outage was considered subpar, and so Telecom was breaching their contract, and so people should be able to get out of their contracts without having to pay the early disconnection fee. And a lot of the people were coming back saying that in the news that, you know, people who were who were severely affected by the outages definitely had a case for getting out of that early disconnection fee. Yeah, I remember that because actually. Because of the yeah. fact that telecom were not providing an adequate, a, a level of service as expected. I'll tell you, one thing that might differentiate it a little bit is the fact that it was not just text messages, it was also, at least for some of the outages, calls as well. Mm. And, and and you, but it, your point is still valid. I mean, you know, at what point can you... Where do you draw the line? What's acceptable, what's not? And this is actually the difficult thing. I mean, with telecom, for example, they could have gone to court and it could have gone the other way. They could have said, well, no, you know, this is technology. This, These types of interruptions are within what the court sees as still reasonable. Mm. Or still, you know, but what, where do you draw that line? And it's Indeed, especially with the advance of technology and with you know, people needing to contact people and people and businesses relying on certain methods of, you know, of contact. Having these things, email, SMS, being primary methods of contacting people, having a certain level of reliability uh, and responsiveness in these services is becoming an expectation. Well, the thing is, they sh- they should really tighten their SLAs if they have them, and, and say, and maybe they do. I don't know. I haven't, you know, <laughs> taken the time to read them. But you know, they should be very careful with what the service level agreement is. You know, we will deliver ninety nine point nine percent of your calls uh, without a hitch, uh, and ninety nine point nine percent of your text messages within ten minutes or something. I don't know. There, there has to be mm. some sort of def- you know, because where again, it comes back to where do you draw the line, and if you're looking for for compensation for something, then you really have to base it on, you know, a decision as to whether a clear decision as to whether something is is acceptable or substandard. Mm. Mm. So I don't know whether they do that, but uh, you know, well, it would be interesting because it, it does, you know, it, it lends itself to all kinds of out of the blue sorts of situations where the timely responsiveness to a text message could be, you know, the difference between life and death. And, yeah, there could be all kinds of situations which could come up where this could be tested in, in, in courts and in other avenues such like that. But just to take the pressure off the telcos just a little bit, I mean, you have to also bring common sense in as well. I mean, you, you must know also that whatever you use is whether it's technology or not for that matter, can fail. Things fail. Technology fails. Physical devices fail. Yep. And, you know, you can't have the expectation that everything in this world will work 100% of the time, all the time. No, no. 
No. So the but it only takes yeah, it only takes one case which brings it to the mass public's attention for something to become an unacceptable situation. Like when the one 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 systems, when the emergency services systems go unanswered or go unresponded to, it's like the instant that happens, it you know it makes it makes news, it makes headlines, and government comes down on the carriers going. Uh, we're going to have a little look here. We don't think you're coming up, you know, fulfilling your responsibilities. We'd like a little chat. Yeah, we'd like a little chat before we give you any more money to run the system. It's got to be hard, though. I mean, I, I don't know how, how you make the call and then how you make that consistently throughout the years and decades going forward because... Mm. Well, as we know, a lot of it is about proper implementation, proper quality assurance and testing, and Redundancy, redundancy, redundancy. Yeah. There must be redundant systems. You must have backups. <laughs> now, that can be a new one for Steve Barmer. Redundancy, 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 redundancy. Well, he probably you do does say that. that. He probably does that as he's sacking people. <laughs> can you imagine him frolicking oh, around oh, very good. Microsoft office, handing out, what are they, pink slips? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, redundancy, redundancy, redundancy. Oh, very good. On that note, Brett, I think I'm going to close the show. That's it. That was fantastic. Thank you very much for, for co-hosting the show with me, Brett. Oh, no problem, man. It's been a blast. Yep. And that was episode 65. Nice one. So thank you very much, everyone. We'll see you all again next week for episode 66. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.